This podcast was recorded on the lands of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to all elders past, present and emerging and honour their history, cultures and traditions of storytelling. Hello and welcome to Pep Talk. I'm Caroline Hugel, your host and chief cheerleader. I know firsthand the value of a good pep talk. After more than two decades in the corporate world across Sydney, London and New York, I remain grateful for the pep talks that gave me perspective, confidence and helped steer me in the right direction. The Pep Talk podcast will give you the nudge you didn't know you needed in around 10 minutes, enough time to take a quick walk around the block while you're listening. It shares advice, experience and wise counsel from brilliant women connected to the world of media, communications and the arts. The first series of Pep Talk recognises the wonderful organisation, Fitted for Work, a not-for-profit that helps disadvantaged women get work and keep it through mentorship and other work readiness programs. Fitted for Work's social enterprise, SheWorks, offers a recruitment solution for creating diverse workforces. You can find out more at fittedforwork.org. Shelley Simpson is owner and founder of one of Australia's most iconic homewares brands, Mud Australia, which she's built from the ground up over the last three decades. Shelley was creating pottery as a side hustle when she was turned down from a job she so desperately wanted as the assistant manager of the State Theatre in Sydney. She was devastated, but luckily for us, with only a few hundred dollars, her side hustle transformed into her muddy main hustle, where she literally threw clay while her young children were strapped to her back. Her beautiful mud Australia ceramics are now highly sought after worldwide. An artist, businesswoman, mum and a maker, Shelley's career is testament to hard work, handiwork and never giving up. Shelley, thanks for being a part of Pep Talk. Can you take us back to the early days of mud? What was it like? I was really happy in the early days. It was like I'd always worked, I'd worked in jobs where I felt like it wasn't me for a good 10 years of or 12 years or something but definitely being in this space with clay coming into work every day getting covered in mud I felt very comfortable in that space and I can't think of anywhere I'd rather be and in you know than downstairs making but don't get to do it as much as I'd like to now. What's the biggest obstacle you feel you've had to overcome? I think probably compliance learning the business side of the business Mm -hmm and um, having enough support around me to know how to comply with everything. And I think in the early days that was much harder. Now I've got an amazing team who, you know, can find, they find the problems before they kind of come to slap you in the face, you know, but um, it's the things you don't know about, you know, pandemics and things they're the they're the big challenges but you know the compliance around taxation and having a global business so we've got it in multiple countries and in the US the compliance between California and New York is different and I think the guys from Dinosaur Design said to me it's quite different doing business in America when I first when we were first looking at that space they speak English but everything else is different big challenges what do you consider your greatest achievement I think it's the longevity of the design. Originally the, the first pieces and then how they evolved and that they always sort of lent on each other with design. So everything sort of works together in the same way that the colours work well together and that's 
definitely a design intention of mine. The pieces all work together as well and they sit quietly. They don't have to scream at you. My legacy will be that the pieces will outlive me mm. for sure. I hope so. What's your life motto? Do the hardest thing first. Always do the hardest thing first because everything after that is easy. Somebody said it on the radio driving to work. I just went, oh, I put everything off. And it probably took years of practicing that to actually doing it. But I do tend to think about my day, think about what is the hardest thing. I try to get it in there quickly. Who do you most admire in business and why? A bunch of the women and men in my team where I'm slow to learn certain things and particularly as I'm getting a little bit older and probably a little bit more set in my ways, they inspire me all the time. I mean, I admire a lot of people. I mean, the people that I do business with, all those amazing artists from APY lands are extraordinary. And, you know, I've had no challenges in my life in comparison to the challenges that the APY artists. And I was thinking of Studio A because of the Archibald and all the stuff we've been going through recently and just thinking, you know, everything for me is really simple. You know, it's a lot harder to get to get their art realised or recognised or taken seriously. I think their processes are, you know, they are serious artists and they, sh they should be considered that. Are there work ethics and attitudes of women um, that you admire? Absolutely. I think we have definitely more women than men working at MARD. I mean, I think we have some great men working here too, my partner included, but um, I think that there's an empathy and care, level of care that sort of ability to be able to just roll your sleeves up and just do it, doesn't matter what the task is. And quite often, um, my general manager leads by example as well, Tess, she's amazing. You know, most general managers don't get down and dirty with the team and, you know, I love that she will do that. Um, definitely something that I've done for a lot of years as well, but um, leading by example and being able to do all the jobs, but also having fun doing it, I think that's, that's great. Was there a moment in your career when you needed a pep talk? I don't know whether I got many pep talks because I was the person that didn't let people know that it was really hard. Because I think if somebody had sat me down in those first 10 years, they would have said, stop it. This is silly. You're working too much and you're doing too much. Go and spend some time with your kids. Go and do, relax and enjoy it. They're only here for a short period of time. They're only young for, you know. And I think if I, somebody had have given me that advice, there were times in those first 10 years where I would have just gone, please just give me a reason to stop. Because it was really hard. And it was a lot of my weekends and, um, you know, my kids' weekends or, you know, handballing the kids to each other as partners and, you know, being just so tired. Mm. I don't know whether I know that kind of tired anymore. I have great sleep now <laughs> you know but that first it's very hard to do that first bit but once you get beyond that if you believe in something and you've got the energy to put towards it then absolutely so pep talks not too many because I didn't want to really um, when I needed them I didn't really want it I probably didn't was a bit afraid of what people would say okay. yeah what in culture moves you to create change? So much. As a mum and, you know, somebody who cares about the environment, but like the rest of us feels like there's nothing you can do because it's all too big and where do you start? I was kind of lamenting that sort of when the fires were ravaging Australia 
couple of years ago and I just felt, I keep, keep feeling helpless. I mean, I put solar panels on the roof and I tried to do the right things environmentally, but I wasn't really doing what I needed to do. But I didn't really know what that was either. And I think we, we kind of get stuck in this belief that it's insurmountable and it's too difficult to get to. The need for that change, the need for social change. I mean, we kind of have restructured our entire business in the last 12 months to make pay rates, proper living wages downstairs, you know, that all my whole team has the opportunity to get to a point in the business they've got something to look forward to and something to work towards now. Whereas in the past, it was really about just what I could do to as much as I could pay them. And now we've kind of, there's been time to sort of sit down and say, well, this is important and I can create change. And making the decision to do the carbon neutral thing was, I just need to make the decision. And the team ran with it and they, we worked it out and then we're there, we're on the other side of it now and we're in our third year and that's really exciting because it's not insurmountable and it's not impossible to do. And, you know, you just need to know that you can and I think there's so many things, you know, the, our work with APY that started for, at the same time because I said, I just rang them and said, I don't know what I could do, but I really want to get involved and I want to do something that makes a difference. The more you do, the more connections happen. So I think it's about knowing that you can't fix the whole problem, but you can work in your corner and just make that better. And there are really substantial changes we can all make all the time. You, the decisions that you make over fast fashion, disposable clothing, you know, are you recycling? I got a worm farm, you know, I never thought I could keep worms alive. For <laughs> <laughs> someone wanting to start a small business, looking back to where you were, what would you say to them? The first thing I would say is make sure that what you've got, what your small business is, what your idea is, is not already there make sure you've done your research and and you know find some support get a good bookkeeper like that's if you're not a bookkeeper <laughs> and you're not great at accounting that is one of the things that will make a huge difference to your business or, or you, you feeling like you're you're getting everything covered um, and know that it takes hard work I'm always amazed by those I don't, I don't even really get them startups and people put money in and then all of a sudden they're worth <laughs> billions of dollars. I'm just, I don't get that. Because for me, it's my startup was very slow and it took a long time for there to be money in the bank. So be prepared for it to, to maybe not get paid so well in the beginning. You've got to kind of know you've got to pay your team all the time, but you don't always get paid. Thank you. It's been Pleasure. an absolute gift to speak ah, to you today. Thank so you great. Thank you for asking me. <laughs> That's it for this episode of Pep Talk. You can find the full interview on howdidyougetthere.com. If you enjoyed this Pep Talk and you feel cheered on, tell your friends and give us a great review. Pep Talk is produced in partnership with Weld Stories. I'm Caroline Hugel. See you again soon.